guys. Welcome back to the SalesCast podcast with myself, Jed, Max, and Luke. Um, today, we're going to talk about um, kind of the differences between running an inbound and outbound demo. Um, I've seen this happen at PandaDoc where, um, you know, we were previously doing uh, almost all inbound demos, and then we started to move outbound, and there's kind of a transition period. I'm seeing it now at the company I'm at, at MailShake, where previously it was all inbound. Now we're starting to do outbound. Um, so just want to like talk about the differences between like how you open up a call, how you transition from discovery to demo, finding things like timeline as well. I think there's a few key differences between an inbound and an outbound demo. Um, but Luke, I'll kick it to you first. Um, is there a difference between how you open an inbound and outbound demo? And if so, how are you doing that? Yeah, and actually it goes a step further back to when the demo set up and how it's set up. So if you're going, if somebody's coming inbound, Max, in your experience, is that usually a decision maker, an economic buyer, or is it somebody doing research and playing a champion role? In my experience, it's almost always someone doing research and in a champion role. Exactly. Because somebody's got an initiative, they come inbound to you, they do their research, they're looking at three or four different companies. It's what makes you different. That's how you win that sale. Yep. And it can be easier because they're coming to you and they know who you are, but it can also be more challenging because you have to be able to navigate the entire account, pulling other people, get them the resources they need and not put them through an hour and a half long discovery process because they've already done the research versus an outbound demo. And Jed, I know you have a ton of experience setting that up. Do you ever go after a champion or are we trying to get the decision maker on that first call? Yeah, usually trying to get a decision maker. Exactly. And so taking a step back, setting that up, if you're doing an outbound demo, you better have two or three things. One, a reason for them to get on that call, which means you're probably working in that industry and with that title. You have a tight story together, outlining the pain points and how you solve them, and an outcome or an impact that you can drive across in one slide to catch their attention at the beginning of the call. Because at the beginning of an outbound cycle, you're trying to buy attention, show your credibility, improve your value before you get the ability to ask questions about their specific needs because you are learning about them and they're learning about you as opposed to you just learning about them in an inbound type sale. So that's the setup portion of it. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and I mean, that makes sense, right? Because you're going, ideally, if it's outbound, you're going after the people you want to go after. So it's not just like inbound, whoever comes in, you're going after the right decision makers in the right industry. And you kind of have, so, so basically you're saying because you're so predictable with outbound, as far as the people you're, you're, you're bringing in, it's essentially the same type of opener every time, same type of slide. Hey, we talk to people just like you. And it's almost kind of like a rhythm um, as opposed to inbound. You can kind of get whatever you get. That's exactly right. So for an outbound example, um, we're going after directors of sales because they're our end buyer. They have budget. Um, they have these three pain points, long time to close, bad forecasting, and they have deals go dark. Those three things, for example. And I was talking with this other director of sales over, let's call them outreach or sales loft. Mm -hmm. and they were able to solve XYZ and their close rate went up 15%. And their entire team hit, which led to a bunch of incentives and accelerators for the director. What does that look like for you, Mr. Director over at Sales Loft or Outreach? Gotcha. And that's how you can get somebody's attention early on an outbound type demo. 
Let's flip it. Um, I kind of want to flip this back to the beginning so we can talk about like the actual demo. Jed, you, I mean, everyone on this call is booked outbounds, but like your, you know, specialty lies in booking outbound meetings. When you book them, what do you like? What are you getting? What are the what's on average? What kind of information are you getting, and how are you setting those meetings up before we even get into running the outbound demo? Like, what is that? initial process look like before we jump into how do we actually run these things yeah so the, the the biggest thing is always like a pain point like that was something we've always talked about like if you don't have a pain point or a reason for them to be at the meeting then they're probably not going to show up so it's like what is the pain point have we identified at least a surface level problem we can solve and then that's the most important thing even if we just have that um beyond that i'm trying to get like basic information like all right how are you currently doing whatever it is that we solve like what tools are you using in place for that and then who else is involved in the process? So it's really those those few things. I'm not always grabbing timeline though. So when I when I book that demo, it's usually like, hey, I know that there's a pain that we can solve. Um, I know who kind of like the right people are, and this is what their internal process looks like. But I'm typically not gathering timeline because it's either just a cold email or a cold call, and it's not like something to to bring up. Uh, I just want to get them in in a meeting. So those are the key things that I'm bringing up. Um, are you asking Max, like, what does that process look like as far as before the demo is booked, like confirming things or, or just like, what are the things I'm gathering? No, I think that paints the picture well. And then to flip it back to you, Luke, the way we hit quota in SaaS, like transactional sales is accelerating timeline, right? Like that's what an AE's job is to accelerate timeline. And yeah. when you try to figure out a timeline, Luke, how are you typically either A, accelerating that timeline if you find one early or figuring out that timeline once you get the deal rolling? Uh, so again, I think this is inbound versus outbound. If it's inbound, they probably have a timeline. You need to ask questions about events. Is there a sales kickoff that's coming up? Is there a quarterly review? Is there an end of month thing that they need this in place for? Or is there a training session coming up? You're trying to establish a critical event as the deadline for being implemented live and working. What does that mean? There's a period before that where you actually need to be onboarded. What does that mean? You need to sign the contract before then. So you're able to reverse timeline on an inbound deal based on the events that they need this live for. So that is, I think, how I would phrase kind of the inbound one and tying it to a critical event or a deadline. Um, the other side of the coin is on an outbound deal is creating some urgency. And it's a little bit different because if you can catch their attention with the pain, the story, and the case study around why we targeted them in the first place, you can get through a little bit of the demo and show them some value and ask questions like, when could you benefit from using this? When would you benefit from going live? Stuff like that. What would the impact be if you had this in place next week? Stuff like that where you can drive some urgency and actually propose a timeline to them. Heck, we proposed a solution. We proposed a problem. We proposed a story to this point. Why not propose a time frame to close it down? And that's something you can do outbound because you've done the research ahead of time. You know, the right prospect. Um, then I might be talking out my ass here, but Max, have you used anything similar to that or do you use slides? What do you use to actually convey timeline? Yeah, for me, like, I, 
I think this call that we're talking or this call that we're on right now, where we're talking about this is interesting because we're kind of like working backwards, right? It's like, okay, the end goal is to find the timeline. Like, how do you find timeline, right? You find that through a critical event. How do you find that critical event? There's some kind of urgency. And then how do you figure out what that urgency is? You have to figure out what the pain points are and drive value to drive that urgency. So I think that that's the way that I look at a deal. And so when I'm looking at inbound versus outbound, the pain's there. There's probably an urgency. And in most cases, there's a critical event, which is why they came to us in the first place. So you have those three built already. And the way that who we all know, Troy used to talk about it, is you push like this big boulder up a hill and the hill is momentum. So you get this boulder all the way to the top on an inbound deal that momentum, that boulder is already pushed halfway up that mountain. You just have to carry it the rest and then drop it down the end, right? On an, on an outbound deal, it's pretty much at the bottom. So you're in charge of finding the pain, finding the urgency, and then finding that critical event because they're not there. So that's the way that I think about it. For me, I'm always the type of guy that works really well when I have a template that I can follow and a script that I can stick to. And so every single call that I would run, regardless of inbound or outbound, I always have a slide deck with me. And I literally will do the exact same thing that you talked about in the beginning of this call, Luke, is just how do I find the pain? How do I relate it to the industry that we're in, to the person that I'm talking to, and tell a story about how we deliver that value? Um, once I do that, then I earn the right to start asking questions because that person's going to go, okay, you know, there is some relevance here because they obviously did the research. They've obviously talked to people like me in the past. So now I'm going to be able to answer some questions like I'm okay with it. So I've earned that right to ask questions. And then that's where I'm going to spend most of my time is really asking questions because there's two things, right? That at least in my opinion that I think about when I'm on a sales call is one, are we actually a good fit for them? And are they actually a good fit for us? Most outbound deals, you don't really know that until the AE really starts to dive in. And the second piece is, when can I find one, two, and hopefully three pain points that I can sink my hooks in and only talk about that and then figure out how I can drive urgency around those pain points? Um, I was okay at doing that. I'm not like a guru or anything when it comes to driving urgency around those pain points. I think that's something that you're really good at, Luke. Um, but tying back to your question of like how I find that timeline, it's really just, like I said, it's pain points, urgency, then driving that timeline. That's kind of like how I'd think about doing it. And so, like I said, I like to have everything templated. So I'm checking boxes as I go. Did I find the pain? Yep. Did I, am I able to drive urgency around that pain? Yep. Did I find a critical event that's coming up? Yes. Okay. Now I know my timeline. And so now I know how to push the sales cycle. That's kind of how I think about it at least. And so inbound to outbound, inbound, you already have some of that stuff. Outbound, you're starting from the beginning. So the best thing that I could say is don't skip steps and make sure that you follow a consistent process. Um, I don't know how that differs for you though, Luke. It's very similar. Um, I have the template, I have the steps and the key, and this is where the good separate from the great is being able to have that script and that knowledge and that template but also be able to ad lib in the middle while sticking to the script. You mentioned you were kind of struggling, maybe going a level or two deeper, digging into the pains, really exposing them. That's where some ad libbing or some double clicking, as Patrick Downs calls it, into a problem, just seeing where it leads. You just follow in a thread. You're pulling up, pulling up, pulling up to figure out where, where it goes. Not because you have an agenda or trying to do spin or any challenger sale. You're just curious. You want to see where it goes. Yeah. But then once you figure out where it goes and if it's not a dead end, you can pull that right back into your structure, your template, your closing. 
Yeah. Because uh, to your point, I, again, I learned this from Troy too. You're trying to push that boulder up the hill. And after you show the demo, after you tell that story, that's the height of impulse. They're never going to be more ready to buy than at that point of most value. So that's when you usually ask for the trial close. Would you be willing to recommend this? What is the next steps for procurement? How do we get this thing bought for you guys? Would you benefit from using it today? Questions like that, that can actually bring the sale forward at the height of impulse. Because the moment they leave your Zoom room or that meeting, that rock starts tumbling back down the hill because they start to forget about you. So if you can capitalize on that, that's where you can draw some urgency and uncover the real objections because they're excited about it and they'll tell you the path to success. Yeah. Yeah, there's two things or one question and then one thing I want to add. I think just like as an actionable tip, like along with those questions that you mentioned, one good way to figure out what timelines look like, like let's say you they, they see the value, right? They, they know it's there. It's something that they would want to buy, um, but they don't know exactly or you haven't really found out like a timeline or exactly how they purchase things. Like honestly, a simple question, just like asking, you know, how's your team gone about typically purchasing software in the past? Like walk me through your buying process. You know what I mean? Uh, a good example a, really a good example is that as i just went through a, a buying process right now where i was the the person getting sold to i was buying a sales engagement platform ended up buying outreach right the ae never once asked me what our buying process was like throughout the whole the whole entire time and honestly i didn't think about it because i'm new to branch right so i don't even mm-hmm. know what the buying process is so imagine if he asked me that i would have been like damn that's a good question i should probably go ask my boss what our buying process is like they probably would have sped up the sales cycle because while we're doing demos and doing, I'm doing my internal champion duties, right? Trying to get everybody bought into the software. I can go to my boss while all that's happening and say, Hey, what does the buying process look like? Who needs to see this? Who needs to get on this so that we can purchase it? Probably would have accelerated the sales cycle for them a little bit faster because we would have had everything already set up. But what happened was we got to the end of the sales cycle. Everybody on the team was like, yes, let's buy it. And then we had to figure out, okay, who actually needs to approve all this stuff before we sign on the dotted line. Um, is is one piece of advice. So it's like, how would you? How does your team typically go about purchasing software? Is one thing that I would always recommend asking when you're trying to figure out um, timelines, inbound or outbound. Um, but the one question I had for you, Luke, is one thing that I always struggled with is like I was I could I could pull those threads right and follow it. But where I struggled was is like, okay, I get to the end of it, I pull those threads, I twist the knife on the pain that they're talking about. How do I bring that back to my my templated approach to where I can bring the conversation back on that track. Like, how do you go about doing that in a way that doesn't seem like scripted? You know what I mean? Like make it conversational to the point where you pull those threads and it's kind of, kind of like a a loop and you come back in. How do you do that? Tie it into a couple of techniques. Usually one's mirroring. So you fall in this thread of double clicking and you're trying to figure out where it goes. And so if I'm able to pull this thread back into my template, would that help get to the end result we're looking for? Something like that, just pulling out two, three key words so it feels natural, but you're bringing it back to the template that you want to use. Um, that's how I've done it with some success in the past. And one other thing I learned recently, this is from Jared Fuller, was don't discover into pain you can't solve. If you hear something, there's a huge pain point but you can't solve for it and you know you can't solve for it, maybe don't follow that particular rabbit hole. I wish somebody told me that when I first started. <laughs> it's super easy to have a conversation with, with somebody about their pain that they have, even if you know it's a, a technical rabbit hole. 
Yep. And actually just taking one step back on the purchasing software and how do you guys typically do that? I'm going to push back there because I hate that question. <laughs> I hate that question. It shows that you haven't done your research. You don't know what their buying process usually is. If you've been in the industry and this is your ICP, you know it's the director of sales. You know it gets approved by the CFO. They have their quarterly budget meetings on this particular day, or if they're following a different calendar year, yada, yada, yada. But if you show the value well, you actually bring a solution that they can benefit from, they'll tell you how they purchase. And then if you get to the end and like, all right, this is great. I'm like, how do we get started? Oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, well, typically this happens. You go to your CFO, he gives approval. We pay this on a quarterly basis. We sign the contract. Is that not how it works for you guys? I actually like they get the chance in. Yeah, I really like the way that you position that is because instead of making it seem as if you don't know, you make it seem like you know and that you want to confirm with them, like, hey, I'm the expert here. This is how everyone in your industry typically purchases. And then you can ask, oh, is that not how it works for you? So you kind of come off as an expert. I actually like that way to position it. It's a really good shout. And it, it's it's something I do backwards, a little bit different. It might not work for everybody, but it's helped a ton just in like the nonprofit vertical, for example. I know they need a W-9 for the company to establish us as a vendor. The executive director always needs to approve every purchase and they never need to see a demo. They go off the recommendation. So if I can send you the W-9 and you have a meeting with the executive director next Tuesday, we can start on Wednesday. Right? Yeah, that's how it works. You can build some urgency and timelines and nail next steps on the calendar if you know how they buy. And you, as the salesperson, can make the recommendation. So a bit of a tangent, but I hate that question. How do you typically buy software? (laughs) What was the last buying process you had? Nobody cares. I know how I bought software. You clearly don't. So that's my little pushback there. Yeah. I think the way that, that you position it is definitely good, but I wouldn't say to not ask that question because I, I think definitely sometimes you just need don't to ask, that and ask it. <laughs> don't ask that question. Please disagree. Um, no, I think I, I learned a ton of really good, like simple questions to ask too. Like from the first one, like when could you see yourself buying something or using something like this, especially to find timeline and outbound? It's not necessarily to find buying questions. Um, so tons of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, one when do you think you could benefit from purchasing this? Or when do you think you could benefit from mm-hmm. using it? That's the, the verbiage. Using it. Yeah. That yeah. was the verbiage that you used back in the day that I carbon copied and used all the time. It's like, when would you benefit from using this? Oh, we could benefit tomorrow. Well, great. Let's get it going. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. Jay. What was your last question? Um, no, my last question was, I was going to throw it to both of you guys. Do you think inbound or outbound demos are easier or what, what do you prefer? I guess in your experience, my answer is pretty simple. Um, so I'll go first for me after the first meeting, it's basically the same. Like if the first meeting goes mm-hmm. well and you drive value on the first meeting and you can get a next step after that, pretty similar for the most part um that's just my two cents also the biggest deals i ever closed were from outbound so that's another thing to keep in mind i'm outbound 100 and the reason why is you get access to a decision maker the deals are bigger because you're taking a solution to them and you get to position the market how your tool works what the solutions are and what the benefits are without them doing the research and coming in and telling you how much your solution is worth and having six other people involved in the sale. You go to them, 
makes that much easier. But inbound, you do have people who just swipe a credit card occasionally, which is nice too. Yeah. I also think with, with outbound too, and I don't know if you found this, Luke, oftentimes there's just not a compet like there might be one competitor that they go and look at, but there's not four that they're looking at before they even talk to you. Exactly. It's a much simpler sale. It's you versus the status quo versus you versus the status quo versus these others. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Four o'clock on the dot. Um, that has been the sales guys podcast guys. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you all next time. See ya.